The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, January 8th, 2024. We're an entire week into the new year. That's pretty crazy to think about. What else is crazy to think about is the fact that tonight is the last college football game of the year until late August. That is depressing just about but good thing is we get to talk about it today we get to talk about some college football updates especially with Auburn in the transfer portal and a lot of other things but we're glad you're with us here on ESPN 106.7 this is on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back I'm your man Jacob Goins alongside me in the studio as always on Monday Wednesday Friday it's Uncle T-Bone with me on the airways man happy Monday hope your weekend was good it's glad to be back Hey, uh, good afternoon. It is good to be back. What an uh, exciting weekend in athletics uh, across the country. We've got more than more to talk about than we have time to talk about. A huge Auburn victory in Bud Walton Arena in basketball. NFL playoffs are set, locked, and loaded. This is the best time of the year for the NFL, no doubt about it. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to, to dive into that a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, no question. The transfer portal on fire it's a never-ending uh you know that's just a moving target from here on from here to eternity jacob Mm -hmm. national championship in football so there's a lot to talk about folks get in with us 334-321-1390 i was on the after game show with a good friend jumping jack hudden you guys sounded great Hey, thank you so much. We had a great time. It's a lot of fun to get on an, an, an after-the-game show when there's a victory. Everyone was very happy. Everyone was happy that we beat down Bruh Musselman himself in, on his home court. I did not see that one coming. There was much trepidation with Uncle T-Bone last Friday heading into this game. So we want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, where do you want to be, begin, my friend? Yeah, I think we begin right there, man. I think that's exactly where... We have to start, and as he mentioned, we want to get your thoughts on Auburn basketball, Auburn football, national championship game, transfer portal, NFL, whatever you want to talk about on this Monday afternoon. we got to recap everything that's been going on over the weekend and get into what's happening today, right now, here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. We'll have Jacob Hillman on coming up in the second hour from the Auburn Sports Network. He'll be able to recap everything going on in the world of Auburn athletics with men's basketball, women's basketball, gymnastics is underway they had a nice showing out in las vegas as well so he'll be talking with us in hour number two at 3 30 but until then you can be a part of the show 334-321-1390 and yeah there's no other place to start uncle t-bone than the beat down the roasting of the hogs on saturday <laughs> in fayetteville snow may have been on the ground but the temperature was turned up inside of bud walton arena as bruce pearl and the boys went over there and handed not just eric musselman his worst loss 
Not just this particular Arkansas team, their worst loss. How about the worst loss in Bud Walton Arena history? How about that? Auburn wins 83-51. Just an embarrassment of Arkansas. And we've talked about, and everybody has talked about really, this rivalry that has become Auburn and Arkansas basketball. We know there's... They try to have a rivalry in football, but Auburn owns the Arkansas Razorbacks on the football field. This has become a really good rivalry in basketball that's gone back and forth. And Auburn just put an explanation point on it on Saturday. As the 25th ranked team, they've moved up in the AP poll. We'll talk about that today as well. And they should have after what they did to Arkansas. 83-51, Auburn dominated on Saturday, Uncle Tebow. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of coaches around the league that really and desperately are clinging to some type of hope of having a rivalry with Bruce Pearl, especially in Auburn, because Auburn has been one of the winningest teams in the SEC over the last six years, and Bruce Pearl is obviously one of the most famous coaches in the league and one of the most well-liked by the national media. So whether it's Nate Oates or or Eric Musselman or Buzz Williams they're all kind of gunning for the Tigers to try and take uh to try and get over the Bruce Pearl hump and get to the highest levels of basketball is what is what I perceive but you said a mouthful there Tigers win big win by 32 hand the Hogs the worst beatdown they've ever had inside Bud Walton Arena Tigers kind of exercising some demons over there and uh, exercising some demons I noticed over the last couple of years look the game started out slow the Tigers didn't shoot the ball very well they were very cold behind the arc for three pointers me and probably every other fan out there was thinking to ourselves well Jacob here we go again here we go again but in the past couple of years although there might be some more talented players individually like Jabari Smith or Walker Kessler who are doing some straight damage in the NBA right now yes they are and they are legit, right? It's awesome. But in the past, teams like Auburn that had a little bit more talent, possibly at one or two positions, that NBA-type talent may not have been mentally tough enough to overcome cold shooting to start the game on the road, especially in the SEC. But this team has proven that it is. And Bruce Pearl and them immediately made a fantastic in-game, uh, I don't transition, whatever, adjustment to their coaching and their offensive philosophy, we weren't hitting the three. They started working the ball inside. They started working the ball big time inside. Arkansas had no answer for Janai Broom offensively. No answer for Dylan Cardwell on the offensive side of the cleaning up rebounds. And really had no answer for Jalen Williams when he got on the inside as well. But let me tell you what, they had zero answer also for Chad Baker-Mazar. Mm-hmm. Auburn got big, and as soon as they started working the game inside, realized that we had a massive advantage. They started working the game outside then later in the, in, in the second half. Those threes got a little bit more easy to hit because there was a little bit more room to shoot, and those ones that were rattling out and spinning out early, string music in that, uh, in that second half. Well, that's what you're able to do when you have a team as talented as Auburn is and as deep as Auburn is. And I know everybody has used that word deep in depth and how many players in the rotation that Auburn has, but you have to talk about it when you bring up this Auburn basketball team because everything you just talked about was spot on. And the reason they can do that is because, okay, 
our starting five's not shooting the ball well. Let's go inside to Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. Oh, okay. Well, we can't shoot the ball from outside. Let's get it to Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, and also let Chad Baker Mazzara go off and do his thing, the Spanish-speaking man himself. and <laughs> The Latin lover. That's right. It's fantastic. Apparently he got – did you see the comments from, from him today? In yeah, the, he doesn't understand why he got a technical in that game for talking trash because he was doing it in Spanish. And said he doesn't know how the, people understood it. And in the past, most <laughs> referees are not by lingual or they've picked on to the fact that he, when he does speak on the court he's speaking Spanish and they assume that he is so he went back later folks and, and went to the ref and said something to him in Spanish and got no response so he doesn't think the ref could speak Spanish but somebody tipped the refs off that he was trash talking in Spanish. Yeah, shout out to uh, MattCoOverMail.com for getting that out today in coverage for uh, the Auburn basketball but here's where I'm going with all this everything you said is true because if Auburn's not shooting well, they've got enough players in the starting five and on the bench that they could pound it inside, get good buckets, get fouled, get to the free throw line, and then they can begin to work inside out. Then they have enough good players, enough good shooters, Aiden Holloway, Denver Jones, KD Johnson, you name it, that can make Trey Donaldson, our boy, Trey Donaldson, Love him. who can play and shoot from the outside and also guy. create other shots and create their own shots and create shots for other people, man. This Auburn... I, I said it. I'm going to go back and find the multiple times I said it way in the preseason, and I'm going to play it on this show so I can claim my rights here. This is the (laughs) most talented team Auburn has ever had. It's the most talented team Bruce Pearl has ever had on the basketball floor, and people are starting to see that. And they finally got the respect they deserved. They went on the road when they were, what, five, five-and-a-half-point favorites. We were a little worried about it because Auburn has not performed very well in Bud Walton Arena the last time was sure when the number are. one team in the country right went there with Jabari and Walker, and they lost after dancing on Arkansas's logo. And so we were worried a little bit. But they go on and they beat them by 32, and that's not the best Arkansas team we've seen in the past years, but that's still a really talented team. And it shook Eric Musselman in his boots. Oh, he no was not ready for that. And... Auburn got the respect they deserve today, moving all the way up to 14th in the newest AP poll. Some people had them in the top 10. Some people who voted in the AP poll, this is wild to me. I think there were four voters that didn't have Auburn in the top 25. Didn't have Auburn in their top 25 on their AP poll. Tell me how in the world that's possible after what you watched on Saturday against Arkansas. This team is nasty, man. This team is really, really good. And they're up to the top 20 in the AP poll right now. Yeah, a couple of things you just said I want to touch on. Um, This team proved to me that it's mentally tough. They did that Saturday. I had some concerns about the overall mental toughness of this team, especially what I saw uh, going back to the game against uh, Appalachian State in Boone, North Carolina, the day after the Iron Bowl, where we had an ugly loss up there and didn't play well. But, look, you know. And correction, Auburn is 16 in the that's AP right. poll. Apologies. So, um, you know, look, uh, I didn't think that was a mentally tough team. That's a far cry from where they are now, and that was just a short period ago. That yeah. was like a, a, a barely a, over a month ago. So, um, Arkansas tried to play a couple little tricks early on in that game. 
some of the stuff that we talked about where I saw Penn trying to do to Auburn, trying to get under the skin, the little elbows, the little moving screens, the little thighs out there kind of yep. knocking, banging, yep. bumping. Uh, you called it. You did. You yeah, called it. Yeah, they were going to play it already. I, I guess go ahead and just call it. They want to come out and play a little prison ball. No fouls or fouls, right? Elbows. You know, they uh, we got an early uh, early – Almost technical foul, and I think the refs did a really good job of shutting that down on Janai Broom, who I didn't think did anything wrong when uh, Devontae Davis kind of had him in a chokehold. Yeah, got like stuck was, in the corner. Yeah, got kind of got him in there like a pretzel and then tried to hit him in the throat. Yeah, that was – well, and that – That you should know, have been a technical foul on him. Absolutely, and that goes and shows just how tough this team is for Auburn right. because they didn't break right there. They oh, no. very easily could have given in and just gotten feisty right there and gotten themselves into even more trouble than they did, yep. but they didn't. They were cold coming out shooting the ball from three okay but the other team was pushing on them and trying to fight that's just all there is to it the only way you can put it and none of that mattered you know someone steps up kind of out of the blue Chad Baker Mazar keeps Auburn in the game in the first half just fine playing excellent basketball the rest of the team rallies around them there's a tremendous amount of camaraderie on this team. You can just yeah. feel it. You can just taste it. They're having fun. These guys like each other. Yeah. There's no prima donnas. There's no drama like there has been in the last couple of years. <clears throat> Alan Flanagan. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm just saying when you got that and you got guys who are out there balling, they're not worried about the minutes. Someone pointed out in the after the game show that called in, I believe it was my man Terry. I, I give us a call, Terry. I know you want to get in today. Said there's a McDonald's All Star, McDonald's All American All Star on that team, right? Aiden Holloway, five star, can't miss prospect. He's going to the NBA one day, or at least he's going to get drafted to. Played 20 minutes, had five rebounds, zero assist, and five points. He's not complaining today. And if you told me that he would have had zero assist and five points on Friday, I said, man, we probably got our teeth kicked in. Yeah, and and that has to be highlighted with this team. And look, you can't have a team that plays 10 or 11 deep and have a selfish player on that team. It, doesn't, right. it doesn't work. And Auburn has had selfish players in the past. They no just question. have. They, they absolutely have. And... You look now at what this team is doing, and I'm glad, I'm glad you bring up the camaraderie and having fun and the no drama here because to kind of relate football and basketball together here, this is what Hugh Freeze has been talking about with the football team where he's trying to get these guys to bond together off the football field, in the locker room, in the team room, in your apartment, playing video games instead of everybody going and doing their own thing and playing on on their phones and scrolling through TikTok, laying in bed by themselves. He's trying to get rid of all that and bring people back together because that's what makes great teams. Great teams bond together, stick together, love one another. And while it's much, much harder to do that with an 80-something man roster for football – compared to the, you know, 15 guys you have on basketball with practice squad or whatever, like, it's a lot more difficult to do that with a bigger sample size, but Bruce Pearl's done a fantastic job with that. And where that comes from is also with the assistant coaches who, like Stephen Pearl, who managed the transfer portal scouting for this Auburn basketball program, you go out and you don't just get the best possible player available. You go after the guys that fit your program. They fit your guys, and they fit what you want to do on and off the floor. And 
for maybe the first time since that Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler team. We're truly seeing that, but now it's on an even bigger scale because it runs all the way through the end of the bench. I think this is the first time you're seeing this really and truly, and if it continues for the entire season since the 2020 COVID season when that team got uh, shafted on getting its chance to make a deep run in the NCAA yeah. tournament. And I think that team this, that team reminds me a lot of this team. And like, you know, we talked about the mental toughness, and obviously they're physically tough. We talked about the camaraderie, and like that team, that 2020 team, this team also plays hard-nosed defense. Mm-hmm. And when you got those three things in basketball and you don't have any prima donnas and you don't have anybody complaining about minutes or getting their looks or getting their shots or any of the coaches complaining about it either and everybody's on the same page and they're really and truly about one heartbeat, you got something that is called the competitive spirit. And that's what Auburn Athletics, when successful, is all about. I'm not willing right now to say this team until I see them exercise a demon and Buzz Williams, hopefully tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, Neville Williams, Neville, Neville Arena, excuse me. If I see that tomorrow night, I'm easily willing to say that this is a Sweet 16 team. And if I say that any team right now is a Sweet 16 team, Jacob, in my opinion, that's a team that can actually win the national title. Yeah, tomorrow's a big opportunity for this team. We know the thorn in the side of head coach Bruce Pearl that Buzz Williams has been. I believe it's eight of the last ten that Texas A&M has taken over this Auburn team. I'll leave you with this before we go to break. On Friday, I gave you a stat that I said was going to be the difference in this Auburn-Arkansas game, and it was the points allowed number between Auburn and Arkansas. There was almost a nine-point differential between the points allowed that Arkansas gives up, which is now pushing 77 points per game that they allow on defense. Auburn averaging, giving up 65.5 points. That's the difference in this team, and you just talked about the defense. That's the stat I gave you on Friday, and look what happened. Auburn gave up a total on the road in the SEC in the, one of the toughest environments to play. And one of the environments that the team feeds off of the most outside of Neville Arena and Coleman Coliseum. They held Arkansas to 51 total points. 21 points in the second half, Uncle Tebow. 21 points in a 20-minute period. That's unbelievable. They did to Arkansas what Arkansas normally likes to do to try to, try to do to people up there in Bud Walton Arena. They got them in a big hole, and they make you kind of modify your offense where you just start hooking up threes to try and get back in the game. Arkansas's notorious for that. And I'll say another thing, 32-point loss. I will bet right now anybody who wants some action that Arkansas won't take that bad a beat again this season up in Bud Walton Arena. Or at all, in general. 334-321-1390. Come on in. Be a part of the show. We want to hear from you on this Monday afternoon talking Auburn basketball. We have the national championship to talk about. Transfer portal updates for Auburn football as well. That's all coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Been a minute since we've done this here on the show, Uncle T-Bone, but what better time than on National Championship Monday? We'll talk about this numerous times, and we want people to get in on this as well on the phone lines. Who wins the National Championship tonight? It's the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies, two of the undefeated teams in college football. I think after everything that's happened, it is 
Very safe to say this is the right matchup. This is the right game. This is who should be in the national championship game. You have Michigan, who ranks number one in total defense this year and number 72 in total offense. Washington, who ranks number seven in total defense and number 10 in total offense. This is the true definition of opposite opposing styles, top-tier defense in Michigan versus top-tier offense in Washington. Over at www.scoresandodds.com, it's a place I like to take a look at uh, lines and spreads and totals and money lines. If you're into that kind of thing for entertainment purposes only, kickoff 630 tonight, number 287 and 288 on the official Nevada rotation. Washington catching four and a half from Michigan in the national championship game. You've seen the line actually be a little bit higher over at places like DraftKings. Yeah, you know, some of the different ones, DraftKings. And, and FanDuel just checking on their websites to see the different spreads and stuff. As of lunch today, it was five and a half for Michigan. According to, uh, I just looked at DraftKings trying to compare in a little bit. Uh, it's down to five for Michigan. So a lot of the bets are on Washington. I don't know where all the money is because there is a difference there, but a lot of the individual bets are on that Washington uh, minor, or plus five, five and a half. Yeah, we're seeing uh, upwards of 60 to 70% of John Q. Public themselves, maybe not the money, but themselves playing the Huskies tonight catching those points in the national championship game in Houston the total is what jumps out to me yeah. at first 55 and a half I'm going to go out on a limb here and say they're not going to get to that number. That's two very solid defenses right there. Washington's defense is underrated. They did go up against one of the most dynamic play callers in all of football last week with Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns who have ripped up and torn up just about everybody they've played. So they gave up some points to the Longhorns, but had them down for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And Texas got into desperation mode and Washington got a little lackadaisical late that game we all know what Michigan's defense can do when we saw them uh, against Alabama last week and we've seen them all year that line that total opened at 54 and a half and went up a point I kind of like this game to be a little bit lower scoring affair tonight I mean Michigan's defense is just so good and they've got some of the best corners in the in the country guys that are going to be playing and starting on Sundays in the NFL but I heard Reese Davis say this today on the Pat McAfee show, and, he, and I think he's right. He was asked the question, has Michigan faced a quarterback as good all around as Michael Penix Jr. this year? And the answer is no. They haven't. They have not faced a guy as good as Michael Penix Jr. completely around. I mean, the guy was in the Heisman Trophy ceremony, right? I mean, he can make plays with his legs but he's such a good thrower. I mean, the, he just slings it with that left hand, and it's so effortless, and he can fit it into windows that not many people can. The question becomes, can those receivers, Johnson and Ondunze, can they get open tonight against Michigan? And Washington's done a great job all year drawing up different plays and getting those guys open on different sides of the field, but they're going up against the number one defense in college football compared to what Michigan wants to do on offense you're not going to worry about J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy's not going to beat you. He's had one good drive I've seen all year, and it was against Alabama in the, in the semifinal. Michigan's going to run the ball. They're going to run the no, ball no with question. Blake Corum, who is one of the best running backs in college football. And I told you this in the break, I think Michigan's best defense is their offense. Yeah, that, that's a shorten the game by running the ball. Um, you know, the, game, the clock moves quickly anyway, except for um, – 
incomplete passes now in college football. You don't get the out-of-bounds. You don't get the first down stops like you used to. But they're going to run the ball a ton, control the ball. That offensive line ran all over Alabama. I don't like to play the comparison game here, but if you take a quick look at what Washington has across the board compared to Alabama, advantage Washington at quarterback, advantage Washington at receiver, I believe. Advantage Washington possibly at running back, Definitely advantage Washington at offensive line. Defensively, I mean, Washington's no joke. They're just as good as Alabama defensively. So uh, I look for this to be a closer game. I look for it to be a game a lot like the Alabama-Michigan game. Both teams in the 20s. You know, maybe whoever has the ball last wins. Uh, No team, you know, both of those teams last week in the semifinal game, Michigan and Alabama got away with a ton of mistakes because they were both making mistakes. If those type of mistakes are made by either team tonight, one of the other teams could jump on them and walk away with it. Yeah, I'll be completely honest with you and our listeners. I've gone back and forth on this all day. I'm going to have to wait till the end of the show before I give a prediction. Yeah, I just... I really liked Washington last week. I really liked Washington this week. But as we get closer to the game, I kind of think Michigan wins this somehow, some way. It's Harbaugh's year, but perhaps they don't cover that five and a half. We need to talk about the Harbaugh thing, too, because uh, I'll go ahead and give you my thought on that. He gone. He gone. I think he's gone after this. We'll talk about that later on in the show today. We'd love to get your thoughts on it all show long. 334-321-1390. We got some transfer portal updates for Auburn football that we'll talk about when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the studio here on this Monday afternoon. Taking a break from some basketball and the national championship, but if you have comments on those, call in. We'll love to get your thoughts on that. 334-321-1390. Want to continue chugging along here, Uncle T-Bone, because Auburn football, has continued Hugh Freeze and this staff continuing to grind when it comes to the transfer portal and they have made two new additions one on offense and one on defense and fans seem to be pretty excited on both of these but really with what Auburn just added on that defensive front yeah Tigers land uh, love his name Trill Carter he originally uh, from uh, Georgia uh, as a high school football player, signed with Texas out of school, then moved over to Minnesota, played, I think, his last 32 games over there. Tigers need a ton of help. He's your defensive lineman, 6'2", 300 pounds. Going to f- you know, just fill a huge need for Auburn along that defensive line, especially after losing Marcus Harrison. If you watched the Tigers in the bowl game, you saw that was a big issue. Uh, Mr. Carter is from Lee County in Leesburg, Georgia, so he will be with the Tigers. And on the offensive side, the Tigers uh, get a nice tight end addition from uh, our friends up in Maryland who killed us in the bowls. Uh, that is Mr. Rico Walker there, and he was a freshman. So, you know, look, I know there's a lot of uh, tight ends on uh, on the roster right now, but you can't have enough tight ends, in my opinion, especially young ones that can ball out. 
Yeah, he's six foot six, two hundred forty eight pounds. Uh, comes in and and just adds another one to the room. And and you know we'll see what what he becomes. Um, he was a huge recruit out of high school. Um, he signed with Maryland. He was rated the number ten athlete in the country in from two four seven when he signed with Maryland. Um, was actually as a defensive end, kind of as an edge guy. Uh, but then he signed and played a little tight end. So excited for that. Auburn, we know, has got a bunch of weapons coming in, and we'll see what. Uh, Rico Walker becomes but yeah I think everybody's excitement right now is with Trill Carter the defensive line and look we've had a lot of our frequent callers ask hey where's Auburn going to go on that defensive front who are they going to get to fill in that defensive line and help out a little bit and Trill Carter is going to be that guy I mean he is he is a an experienced player may not have been the most highly rated guy originally um, but he's played big time football and he's six foot two 300 pounds uh, he played 65 percent of the snaps uh, there and then uh, he had playing defensive tackle and then some at nose tackle um, so again the stats aren't going to blow you away but he's a unit he's a big dude that can come in and look Auburn just needs players and I oh think this gosh, guy yeah. can come in and, and, and absolutely do that for you yeah I mean across the board across the roster just about at every position Auburn needs players um, I like the quote over here from Caleb Jones auburn.rivals.com uh, and I quote from a uh, Rico Walker, I feel like I can come in and help those seniors out. My man, there's like one senior. <laughs> there's not so many. You can sure help out this roster. Uh, originally from Hickory, North Carolina, was the highest rated recruit offense on the offense side of the ball from Maryland. He was a three star on some uh, some sites, a four star on others. Look, you know, hopefully we can start incorporating these tight ends. And all you know into the uh, game plan more. I think when Auburn was hitting uh, uh, Rivaldo Fairweather consistently in games, they were giving uh, the opposition a lot of trouble. I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see more tight end play, especially it's something that's kind of bothered me over the past couple of years. Really, over the past four or five years for Auburn, just not really attacking the middle of the field with tight ends. Um, and you saw last week. Michigan running crossing routes with tight ends, with wide receivers. And they gave Saban massive problems doing that in that middle of the field. So uh, good pickup there, huge pickup with Trill Carter. And obviously we'll keep you updated if there's any more breaking news. Uh, I don't know if there will be any more commitments today from the transfer portal but i'll tell you what there will be many more coming down the line. Yeah, there will. And, you know, there's something about the tight end spot that – Auburn and I've talked about this Auburn just didn't use it I mean Auburn's had decent tight ends come through here over the years and and you know you go back to uh to, to Lutzen Kirkin in the 2010 season when he had some unbelievable plays of course the the most memorable one in the Iron Bowl uh to to give Auburn the lead and eventually win that game and then you had uh CJ Uzama who ended up going and playing in the pros he played for the Bengals for a little bit played for the Jets for a few years um you've had good tight ends come through here Auburn just didn't really use him a whole lot and this man did not do very many things well but Brian Harson was actually one who used tight ends for the first time in a long time at Auburn and give him a little bit of credit there and yeah it's nice to see Auburn going back to tight ends Fairweather can be that guy you saw him in the bowl game you saw him in few games this season just be elite and 
maybe this Rico guy can come in and be that as well and just be depth in the tight end room. Yeah, there were a bevy of very effective tight ends that played at Auburn in the 1980s and into the 90s with Pat Dye, and almost every one of them went into the NFL, whether it was Walter Reeves or or Fred Baxter or Victor Hall. Uh, heck, Frank Thomas was a high school tight end at Columbus High and came over here and stayed on football or scholarship. So um, it's something that you see in the NFL a lot of today, Jacob. Uh, most teams have multiple tight ends. Yeah, look at some the, of the best players in the league. The, They're tight ends. Yeah, it used to be like each team had like one tight end, and about all they ever did was uh, run block. Mm-hmm. You know, you might have yeah. a guy like Mark Bavaro or Keith Jackson. Well, that's what Auburn who, did with all their tight yeah, ends. Who who uh, who could actually uh, get out and catch the ball? But in the NFL today. Very good teams have tight ends and multiple tight ends that can run, pass, catch, you name it. Yes, they can. And hopefully uh, hopefully Auburn can, can get to that spot in the college game. Let's get to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. John and Auburn, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, Jacob. Hey, Uncle T-Bone. I'll tell you something this offense could need, and Uncle T-Bone, you'll remember this name. You know, what would this offense look like if we had you know, an Anthony Mix from 20 years ago? I mean, that was a dominant uh, player. At the, you know, even, hey, what would, this offense, what would this offense have looked like this season had they had just any right wide receivers that consistently caught the ball? Exactly. And that, that gets into my, my point and my question. What happened to Shane Hooks this year? You're looking at a guy who was targeted early and, I mean, almost had to put an MIA report on him later in the season. Yeah, I mean, a guy with the you know the nickname Hollywood and came in and, and just, yeah, I mean, almost just disappeared, really, yeah, and just I, got lost in rotation and never I, – I think it came down to this, John, I really do, not just for him. I think for a lot of the receivers on this team, remember, if you remember back in the beginning of the year, we were talking about, even throughout the summer, we were talking, okay, there's a lot of potential talent in this receiver room. But somebody has to emerge. Somebody has to become that dude and become wide receiver one. And there was a chance it could have been Shane Hooks. There was a chance it could have been Fairweather. It could have been Caleb Burton. It could have been a lot of guys. But nobody ever did it. And that's the problem. Nobody ever became alpha dog and wanted to be that guy and put in the work to become that guy. And and that's, I think, what happened with Shane Hooks. And it's so interesting to me because if I, may, if I may make a weird uh, transition here. Go for it. You look at Bruce Pearl on the basketball team, and Pearl, you'll hear him in postgame comments and in, you know, in, in midweek pressers saying, hey, you know, look, I've got a guy from UAH on my roster. I've got a guy from this mid-major and this mid-major. You know, they've got that want in them because this is SEC basketball. And in a different sport, you just don't see that with different position rooms. I, I really don't know what happened with our wide receivers this season. I mean, it, it, it's like I'm going to turn on the TV like 15 years from now, killing some time, and a, a rerun of that show Unsolved Mysteries is going to come on, and, and it's going to be about Auburn's wide receivers this season because I know, I know in my heart that that core is better than they performed. I know it. I mean, look, I'm not saying that any of these guys were uh, – all SEC caliber type players, but all of the transfers that came in put up 
decent and good numbers at the schools they were at. And I know the competition isn't quite the same as in the SEC, but you can't go from having seven, eight, nine touchdowns at North Texas to having zero at Auburn the next season. So I, I just I one can't last, pinpoint it. One last question I have for you, and it kind of goes back to is it, is it the system or is it the personnel you have? Let's say Auburn's able to get Keon Coleman instead of him going to Florida State. Do you think the wide receiver room would have looked differently then? Hmm. As a, uh, the receiver room as a whole, or just the outlook on the receiver room? Or just just the production of the receivers this past season. I mean, I, I think it's hard to say that it would have been worse or been the same. I, I would like to if they would have been better with a guy like Keon Coleman with the talent that he has and the, the ability that he proved that he did have and, and, you know, what he was doing at Florida State. So, yeah, I mean, I would like to think he would have came in and been that guy, right, wide receiver one, and maybe that elevates the play of everybody around him. I'm not sure. But, yeah, it's hard for me to say that it would have been any worse if Keon Coleman was on this roster. Oh, no, I don't think it would have been worse, but I don't know if the coaching staff I mean, do you know the coaching staff could absolutely 100% develop the receivers or put them in positions to be successful? Well, think about this too, John. Think about this, all the drops that Auburn had. Does Keon Coleman drop 50% of his passes that come his way? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, that's well, a anyway, good just a couple of thoughts, couple of thoughts on, a, uh, on a Monday afternoon. Enjoy it and uh, stay out of the uh, stay out of the puddles that will become lakes tomorrow in Auburn. That's right. Thanks so much, John. 334-321-1390. Always good to hear from John. And, and yeah, I mean, bringing up the receiver room and just the the what if, what could have been with the receivers in there, it just never, it never, that plane never got off the ground. I mean, that's a nice way to put it. I mean, you know, I, look, I think Keon Coleman absolutely would have made a difference. Uh, anybody who is competent uh, and can make plays and was engaged and wanted to go out there and was hungry to go after the ball would have made a huge difference in this wide receiving core this past year. And I think Keon Coleman is that type of player. That being said, you know, um, would they, would he have been doubled? Would he have been uh, – and, and then they had to rely on somebody else who maybe wasn't quite as reliable. I will say that John did bring up something interesting in his in – his, question there was it is it a system thing also and um you know i don't want to throw all the shade in the world at philip montgomery but there was definitely a difference when philip montgomery was 100 percent and you could tell in charge of the offense and when hugh freeze was more engaged in the offense so would hugh freeze had been more engaged in the offense had keon coleman come here i don't know and and, and that's what i was going to say before we throw it to break is it's easy to blame the system, and that's the go-to because, oh, Auburn just fired their offensive coordinator. Right. Like, how how good could the receivers really truly have been or what potential did they have with an offensive coordinator that gets fired after the first year? I don't know. We'll leave that up to you to decide. 334-321-1390. Dan, you'll be up first when we come back here on the Friday. Or the, wow, it is not Friday. It is Monday. Oh, my goodness. I wish it was Friday, Uncle T-Bone. It's Monday. Dan, you'll be first up when we come back on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Monday edition 
I got it right that time. Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Dan and Auburn, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle T-Bone. Hey, guys. Yeah, it, you know, it's really simple, I think. Okay, If you think of all the qualities that a wide receiver can have, okay, obviously if you're fast, that, that's definitely a bonus. If you got good size, that's a bonus. You, you know, if you have good cutting ability, you know, if you know how to catch, you know, it's – it's not just whether if it hits your hands, but like, do you know how to position yourself to make the catch and to shield the defender? Right. We don't have any of those guys, or we haven't had them in forever. And we're sitting there rotating through so many different players all year long, hoping that someone's going to step up. And they just never did. Now, whether they were not taught to or they just didn't physically have those attributes, you know, you know, one guy, uh, number four, uh, um, Camden Brown. I can't think of his name. But, but, Cannon Brown, you know, he looked very promising as a freshman, and then I thought he just lost it this year. It just seemed like at the end of the year, he, he didn't seem like – he seemed like a guy who could go up there and get the balls, and he just wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay Fair started out pretty hot, and then he just totally disappeared, you know. But coming in, and, and I'm really happy that Cam Coleman is getting in early, and you got uh, Bryce – Bryce is coming in early. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to help those guys. But Malcolm you're talking Simmons. about, yeah, he's and coming you're in. You're talking about like, you know, Cam Coleman is a guy who has all of those attributes. So he's a guy that's not going to have to sit there and and really wait. I mean, I, I I truly believe that he is a starter on day one, and I think he's going to make plays. And a quarterback doesn't want to throw a ball up to a guy that he knows isn't going to come down with it, you know, a lot of the time. You know, they talk about all these 50-50 balls. I mean, on our team, it was like a 20-80 ball. I mean, like 20% of the time, <laughs> if the ball was thrown perfectly, we might catch it. Right, and that's you know? the problem. It's not even just throwing it up. It's like throwing it over the middle or throwing a deep ball and hitting the guy in the hands, and you're still questioning whether he's going to catch it or not. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's going to be so different on our offense when all of a sudden you got a couple of guys – that you know when that ball's in the air in their area, they're going to go find that ball and go get it. Because then all of a sudden, the safeties can't creep up anymore. They have to play deep. They have to double-team those guys. You know, the middle of the field opens up more. And then all of a sudden, there's nobody in the box to blitz, which makes it easier on the offensive line, and then you can run the ball better. Mm-hmm. So it's like but, – but when you don't have any of those guys, you know, we, you know, we had Malcolm Johnson out there as, as primarily a blocker. I mean, I don't know if he caught more than two or three balls the whole year, uh, you know – I mean, it's easy to scheme us up. I mean, you know, ask Maryland. I mean, it's like, there we was know they're not going to throw to these guys, and even if they do, it ain't going to matter. Right. There it, was it's a, like it's, yeah, John, <laughs> there was a play, excuse me, Dan, there was a play in the uh, New Mexico State game that epitomized what you just said about Malcolm Johnson. The game was still uh, pretty close. I believe it was late in the first half. Auburn had the ball around the 40. Uh, Peyton Thorne throws a nice ball on the middle seam for, for Malcolm Johnson, who's one-on-one, all he has to do is just go up and get it. Just go up and get it. Like, you know Cam Coleman would have gone up and got that ball. And he didn't even go up and try and get it. He just kind of let it go over his head and kept running incomplete. And I was like, we're not going to ever get it done with wide receivers like that. Sorry. And I'm with you. If I could have one thing, I don't care how fast you are, I don't care how well you run routes. If the quarterback puts it on you and in your hands, 
you got to catch it. That's the number one trait of a wide receiver. Good hands. I'll take that over anything. And then toughness is yeah, second. I, no, I, I to- yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, imagine how hard it is to call plays when, yeah, you got the slot guys can get open some of the time, and then you got a good tight end. But the minute you start completing those passes, now they're, they're doubling and tripling those guys. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's like it just makes play calling really difficult. Yep, and the hope is that Auburn has three, four, possibly five of those type of guys coming in and where the defense doesn't have an option. They can't they can't defend them all at some point, right? That's right. And, I mean, heck, if we had one of them, it would be a game changer. You better believe <laughs> I it. I mean, you give us two or three, it's going to be totally out of this world. So. Exactly. Anyway, exactly. I appreciate it, guys. Yep, thanks, Dan. Great to hear from you. Been too long. 334-321-1390. Psychologically, I have to wonder how some of these wide receivers were reacting and, you know, they look at the message boards and everything as well and social media to Auburn fans getting foamy at the mouth about all these top-notch receivers that are coming in out of high school to take their jobs Well, put yourself year. in that position, yeah, right? I, I mean, know, but, but, but I think at that point you can make that – you can do one of two things. You can just be a louse and ride it out and leave, or you can fight for your job. And fighting for your job means fighting for the ball. Yeah, exactly. And – We'll see what happens. I mean, I don't think I don't think very very many Auburn fans are expecting anything from the receivers that are currently here that were here last year. I mean, I think all of the excitement is the few you're grabbing through the portal right now and obviously the high school recruits that are coming in, but you also have to remember this. You are bringing in freshmen in college, borderline seniors in high school that are 17, 18 years old. So you can't just put it all on them. And if Cam Coleman doesn't go out in game one and have a 200-yard day, oh, we can't lose our minds. You know what I'm saying here? Sure. But good thing is Auburn has a handful of them. They almost have the infinity gauntlet completed of receivers coming That's in right. through the high school ranks, plus some nice additions through the portal that they've already gotten. And if some of these guys on the roster step up, like a Coy Moore or a Camden Brown or a Jay Fair or a Caleb Burton, Auburn has receivers. They just got to find ways to get open, catch the ball, and part of that is Peyton Thorne putting it on him on time and on target. Uh, there are two. Uh, we're forgetting about the two uh, transfer portal guys that'll be here as well from Georgia State. Yep. The quarterback who played with Peyton Thorne in high school, I believe, who's going to be a receiver from the University of California. I don't expect many of these wide receivers that are here now to be back after this spring. Hour number one in the books coming up in hour number two. We'll talk some more Auburn football. Auburn basketball national championship game tonight we'd love to get your picks on that give us a call on that plus Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network will join us at 3 30 but until then phone lines are open who wins tonight Washington or Michigan and why I've got an interesting article from ESPN with all of their experts picking and they like the Huskies tonight we'll talk about that coming up in hour number two is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 
online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Monday, January 8th. It's chilly outside today. Feels like I'm living in Ohio again, man. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, folks, keep an eye on the weather over the next 24 hours, 48, 36 hours. We got something coming in? Big time front coming in. We got snow? No, I don't think we're going to catch any snow, unfortunately, but we're going to catch a uh, bucket full of rain and uh, the winds, Jacob, the winds, not su- south of here, everything I read, there's going to be a lot of tornadic activity here. They're just looking for the sheer winds, but they're expecting upwards of possible 60-mile-per-hour winds Ooh. tomorrow morning as this front comes through. So everyone be careful out there, and you are right, it is chilly and cold. I feel it this year, though, Jacob. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to get snow. Oh, okay, predicting it, I'm huh? calling it. Calling it. Yep, so... Mm. Uh, you know, yeah, please keep an eye on the weather. I think it's going to be a little rough over the next few – probably going to be about as rough as how Eric Musselman felt after the Auburn game. Give us a call, 334-1390. You couldn't hold it together. <laughs> I thought I was going to pull deadpan that one off. I couldn't do 334-1390 here on the line. There you go, 334-321-1390. There we go. Thank you for helping me out. Jacob, we hadn't really got a chance to talk about it yet, but the uh, NFL playoffs are lock and stock. Yeah. I love this time of year in the NFL. There's so much going on. Unfortunately, college football season will end tonight, but the NFL shall march on, my friend. Your thoughts? Uh, My thoughts are, come Friday, you and I are going to have to fight in the studio (laughs) because um, our teams are playing each other in the playoffs this year, uh, which seems to happen quite a bit in the NFC as my Green Bay Packers will be taking on your Dallas Cowboys in Dallas on Sunday afternoon. Um, Overall, the NFL has been good this year, man. It's been really fun. And I know we don't talk about it a ton on here, and I think that may be one of our New Year's resolutions for this year when we get back into football season uh, coming. September is to have at least a segment would really like to get an NFL writer or or cover you know a reporter on the show once a week I think that'd be really fun for us to do Um, but overall I love the NFL and I know it gets some hate at times and it's tough for people especially kind of in this area the closest team is either the Saints or the Falcons who battled it out yesterday and that's been a big controversy today yeah because of what happened at the end of that uh demolishing that New Orleans handed the Atlanta Falcons and if you missed it uh Saints are up big they're up by a lot they get in victory formation they're down inside the red zone right there near the goal line they get into victory formation until Jameis Winston (laughs) changes the play call so the Saints can score just one more time just to say you know what to the Atlanta Falcons. And that's got a lot of people fired up today, Uncle Tebow. Yeah, New Orleans was in control of this game uh, for most of the day. It had gotten a little ugly in the second half. The Saints were up 41-17, to and Atlanta had the ball late uh, in their own territory. Uh, the Honey Badger himself picks off a ball, runs it back to the one. Everyone thinks the game's over. 
Dennis Allen, the head coach for the Saints, thinks the game's over. He calls the victory formation. We all know this. Uh, we all know this look, right? Where basically you snap the ball, the quarterback takes a gentle knee, and the game is over. Well, in the huddle, our good friend from Hueytown, Alabama, Mr. Jameis Jabu Winston, decides that's not going to work. We're going to run the ball and get a kid his first touchdown. I can't remember his name, a tailback for the Saints. Claims this was a team decision. And it was a team decision. Afterwards, uh, and so after the game, so the Saints don't take a knee. Atlanta thinks they are. The Saints plow in for another touchdown, close out the game 48-17. to After the game at the midfield, uh, head coach, uh, former head coach now for the Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith. Yeah. Gets the devil in them and uh, has some unsavory language and words caught on tape. I saw it live while it was happening and got a little giggle out of it. Uh, one of those words would have probably got us in a FCA. Is it FCA? FCC. FCC problem. Yeah. Maybe it'll get Fox in a little issue as well. That was uh, the proverbial F-bomb he dropped right there on live television. He was hot. He was hot. A lot of people have thoughts on this. I don't have a problem with the Saints going to score a touchdown, okay? I know I, I know I, where you're going with this. I don't have any kind of problem with them saying, you know what, we're going to score, we're going to line up, we're going to run, and we're going to play ball till the end of the game. My problem with it is the Saints get in a victory formation and, every, and everyone's just kind of standing around and they plow into the end zone. And I have an even bigger problem with the fact that their coach called for the victory formation and his player and the players defied his call. That guy would be in serious trouble with me afterwards. Now, do I think the Falcons coach went a little overboard afterwards? Sure, I do. Do I think that teams should play to the end of the game every play? Steve Spurrier taught us that. But when you're in a victory formation, you take a knee because it's one of those unspoken rules like, hey, if I'm on defense and it's the end of the half and the other team's quarterback's taking a knee with like two seconds left not to run another play, I'm not going to fire off and try and take the center's head off, right? Right. So um, it was a really weird situation. Like I said, I think that uh, I don't ha- I, I don't want to hear from anybody that that's a coach coaching his team to the very end and that's what you're supposed to do because head coach Dennis Allen from the New Orleans Saints said, hey, man, take a knee, it's over. And uh, Jameis Winston said, not today, coach. Yeah, that's uh, that's a Trojan horse if I've ever seen one. They lined up <laughs> yeah. in one formation and said, psych, and they got you, and they went in and scored a touchdown. Um, at the end of the day, it's the Saints and Falcons in a game what where, like, I mean, it's it's the Falcons that were tr- – I mean, both these teams are fighting to get into the playoffs because they had to win their division, and then uh, it is what it is. I So what had yeah. to happen for either one of these teams to get in the playoffs is first they had to beat the other one. Right. And then the Panthers had to beat the – Tampa Bay Buccaneers which did not happen because the NFC South is horrible Horrible. and like you said it's the Falcons and the Saints in a 30 point game the only people that are really emotionally hot about this are people affiliated with the Falcons and the Saints i.e. their fans they they, they claim this is some type of big rivalry this is like one of the worst rivalries in sports (laughs) no one really cares about the Falcons and Saints but the Falcons and some of the Saints, I think. Right. And look, and I think maybe a lot of people in this area that do follow football, maybe that is their fan base, but they just haven't they haven't been good in a while, unfortunately, for them. And and, and that's tough. But you look at and we'll get off this in a second, looking at the NFL playoff picture quickly, right? NFC, 
We talked about it. My Packers taking on your Cowboys. Going to beat the Cowboys in Dallas. First team to do it this I year. We will do so. that on Sunday afternoon. One of us may not be here come Monday this time at next Monday. Uh, the Rams on the road at Detroit. I would love to see the Rams win that game. Philly, the team that is crumbling at the finish line that Good. was dragged across the checkered stripe, uh, going on the road to take on Baker Mayfield and Tampa Bay, trying to get a win in the playoffs. AFC-wise, quickly, Cleveland Browns on the road at Houston. That is C.J. Stroud, one of the best stories in the NFL this season. Oh, yeah. With the Houston Texans. Miami. On the road in Kansas City after they blew it last night against Buffalo. Uh, So that'll be a fun game. And then Pittsburgh, the ugliest offense you'll ever see on the road at Buffalo on Sunday afternoon. Ravens and 49ers both get buys as the one seed. So we can talk about that when we get closer as well um, later in this week. I'd really enjoy talking about that. Maybe on a free-for-all Friday, Uncle T-Bone. That's where we'll get some more NFL conversation. And we'd love to get your thoughts on this. 334-321-1390. Coming up here in this hour, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up in about 20 minutes or so. And something that happened on Friday that I think we have not talked about yet that we definitely need to. Some news with Auburn football on the defensive side of things okay. that is has been reported as of now. But there are feelings that it may get reversed at some point. But here's what we can do. We can talk about what we know. On Friday, it was announced that Auburn cornerback, defensive back, Keontae Scott had planned to enter the transfer portal. And this was this was something that um, had began to orchestrate itself behind the scenes. This was something where some smoke began to rise from a fire that was built. And this did come out. Now, is this 100%? The announcement was, I mean, the, the intention and him planning on entering was was legit. That is legitimate information. But is he truly leaving Auburn yet? We don't know. And I think what we can talk about here is what happens if he does, right? If Keontae Scott, who made a big announcement a while back that he was returning to Auburn, which we talked about and made huge news because it is huge news, right? That is somebody who you desperately need on that defensive side of the football but here is the here's the big key here here's the big factor here as of right now as we speak Keontae Scott is not officially in the transfer portal his name is not entered he did what a lot of players do and they announced that they expect to enter the transfer portal and again we can talk about what it would mean if he were to stay or if he were to go from this Auburn defense? Well, they sure need him. I mean, you know, not to mention they need him at punt returner uh, as bad as anything. Had he been in uh, the Iron Bowl and in lieu of uh, Coy, was it Coy Moore that, that had the uh, buff mm-hmm. punt? Yep. You know, are we talking about Auburn getting a victory in that game or not? You know, so uh, Keontae Scott's a heck of a good player. I understand that uh, he may may be in the portal soon or may not be, but I anticipate him to come back. I just think that if he was going to leave, he'd already gotten the portal and been gone. It's really frustrating, though, for these coaches, man, these days, and not to say anything 
negative about Keontae Scott or anything, anybody else, but just how it is is, heck, man, you're trying to recruit. You're trying to run a program. You're trying to get people out of the portal, which is prob- you know, a little bit of the problem. And then you got to re-recruit everyone on your own team. It's just a broken, it's a broken system. And someone gets probably a little upset. This is just a hypothetical, but, you know, well, I heard that y'all gave so-and-so this NIL money, and I did X, Y, and Z. If you don't give it to me, I'm out of here. In fact, we saw this earlier in the year, right at the end of the season, with a guy from Florida State who decided that he went to his team, a starting defensive end, and said, I need a million dollars to come back. And they're like, look, man, <laughs> we ain't got it. You know, go go get your million dollars somewhere else. So um, I think that you know, I had a lot of discussions with people about this over the weekend and what do you do about this? I mean, I think one of the steps in the right direction, obviously, is uh, the expansion of the playoffs, kind of keeping people in at least till the end of the season. You know, are there going to be contracts, which I think uh, probably in some way or form or fashion there already are, but do you think if a contract's broken that a team really wants to sue somebody and get into court and then those folks have discovery on a, on a team and their program? No, no, no. So I think uh, really and truly the only al- the only alternative long term that's viable here is that uh, about sixty teams break away and form that mega league, and there are lead pipe laws and rules, and this is what can happen, and this is what cannot, and if you're going to participate with us, this is what 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 you can expect, and and no more of these shenanigans and games. Let's get some of our listeners' thoughts here as we are talking just some of the latest news going on in the world of sports. 334-321-1390. And Terry, you're on the line, man. Happy Monday. Happy Monday, Jacob. T-Bone, how y'all doing? Doing all right, man. What's up? Guys, I've been out of touch today a lot, so pardon me if I'm asking a question that's already been asked. But what is the news about the portal or anything? Is there something that broke or something? I didn't know. Well, uh, you had the the report on Friday that Keontae Scott, the Auburn defensive back, had planned to enter the transfer portal. He has yet to actually do so. Um, just then he's too late. Exactly, and and that's kind of that's kind of the part is he had planned on entering and. And, you know, he, he still had that right. There's also legitimate actual commitment news today um, from, from Auburn in the transfer portal. Two guys that committed. One is a tight end uh, from, uh, from Maryland, Rico Walker. He's a tight end that committed today. And then a defensive tackle transfer, Trill Carter, uh, the Texas defensive tackle, has committed to the Tigers. Now, what about some of the offensive linemen? Because I'm one that's always believed that's been a very neglected place for a long time. You know, I think that Auburn has recruited hard in the portal for offensive linemen. Um, they are right now waiting, I believe, on uh, a young man who came over from Mississippi State this past weekend. Uh, let me get his name real quick. That monster, he's like 6'8", 3'8", yeah, he's or something. Huge, and he's also taking a look at uh, Arkansas. I, I, Jacob, am I wrong in saying, though, that even though someone doesn't get in the portal right now, that after spring ball, there's going to be another portal window. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you could, even if you missed it right now, Terry, this is another big problem I see with this. You know, you could just put your feelers out there right now and then be like, no, I'll just stick around and then see if something opens up or if one of those teams wants to try and get some money up for you after spring ball. Well, and he seems to be making a pretty conscious effort to get guys in before spring because it seemed to be a problem. I think it's imperative that almost anybody you get in the portal moving forward is in here 
for spring. Now, that was much more difficult to do last year because mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze and his staff got hired so late. And spring, golly, it just seemed like it was almost instantly on us after the season, right? That around December, wasn't it? T-bone? What spring ball last year? No, no when 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 he got hired, he was like hired December, on he, he was hired. hired on November 29th. No, and then what I'm talking about is it seemed like that spring ball was uh, like earlier than normal, or at least it felt like it. And there just wasn't hardly enough time to get the people recruited in out of the portal right, to get in by spring ball because you had to do so much recruiting in high school Mm -hmm. so very quickly. So now I think the approach is moving forward. If you're going to get a guy in the portal, a huge, huge plus for them is something they're going to stress, and that's person being here for spring practice. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. So um, can Auburn thump Texas in tomorrow night? Yes. Okay, I don't know much about Texas A&M, but – very impressed, as I told you Saturday, T-Bone, to go into yes, sir. the Arkansas and do that to them. Well, here, I mean, we all know we all know the track record of Bruce Pearl versus Buzz Williams, and Buzz Williams it has Bruce Pearl's number, and look, I love BP to death, but Buzz Williams has coached circles around him the last few times they've played, and mm-hmm. he has got to figure out a way to get over that hump. A great way to do it is inside of Neville Arena with one of your most talented teams that Bruce Pearl has ever had. And they're also coming off a loss against a really bad LSU team. So I'm pretty confident in Auburn tomorrow night. I have to ask, are they big or are they fast, athletic or what? Uh, more athletic than anything. I mean, they have a little bit of okay. size, but I mean, Auburn Auburn can run up and down on them. And here's the thing, too. I mean, they have um, A&M has a guy that, you know, Wade Taylor, who averages 18 points a game, but then the drop-off is pretty significant to 12 points and then single digits after that. They average just under 75 points a game. I just don't think they can run with Auburn. And as a team, they shoot 26% from three. So. I don't think anybody can run with Auburn with the depth they got, quite honestly. You're exactly right. Yeah. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Terry. Yeah, this is a Texas A&M team that Saturday night, and I actually watched a good bit of this game. LSU's bad. I mean, yeah, they're 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 not great, but you know, I mean, they're not as bad as they were last year, I don't think. But this is an A&M team that shot fifteen of fifty nine from the field against LSU at home. At home, five of twenty eight from three-point land, and uh, barely uh, got got out-rebounded, had fewer assists, had fewer blocks, had more turnovers. and the I think thing, they averaged double-digit turnovers a game. Yeah, and, the, and, and didn't play many players either. Looking over the stat sheet, I only see that they played eight players in this game. Auburn could really take advantage of Texas A&M here and just suffocate them tomorrow night. A&M doesn't have – they don't have the talent that they have in the past to compete with Auburn. And and coaching can only take you so far if you don't have the talent. That, and I'm right. talking Buzz Williams at Texas A&M. Let me say this before we get to break, going back to Terry's call about offensive and defensive line. Uh, about 15 minutes ago, uh, and I had not seen this, but thanks to Jeff, one of our loyal listeners, who uh, tweeted at me on – or I guess posted at me on X, whatever the heck you want to call it – Jason Jones, 
announced that he is returning for one more year for Auburn on the defensive front. So there's a huge, huge announcement for Auburn. Uh, Auburn football, that is. As Jason Jones announced, he will be coming back. So thanks to uh, Jeff for pointing that out to us. I had missed that on Twitter already. But yeah, Jason Jones, big number 99, will be coming back for Auburn for one more year. We'll talk about that some more in a little bit. Jacob Hillman will be coming up in just about 10 minutes or so from the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk all things Auburn with him. we got to make our final thoughts, picks, predictions for the national championship game. Maybe talk about a little recap for college football season. That's coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here on the Monday edition of On the Line on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. we got a couple of minutes before uh, we get Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network in here. We'll talk Auburn football. We'll talk Auburn basketball, men and women's. Uh, we'll get some updates on uh, the rest of Auburn athletics and uh, get caught up with uh, the broadcast coming up this week, including Auburn and Texas A&M tomorrow. And man, I know we talked about this quite a bit, Uncle T-Bone, in the first hour, but what an impressive performance from Auburn basketball on Saturday. I mean, that game and win over Arkansas was something that is something this team needed because they hadn't done it against a big name yet this year besides Indiana, right? That was a nice beatdown, but I don't think, you know, when you look at when you look at that Indiana team, they're solid, but they're not doing what people thought they were going to do and and what I mean by all of this is this is a very common opponent that Auburn sees every single year and has not had great success in recent memory at Bud Walton Arena. This was not a 30-point beatdown neutral site. This was not a 30-point beatdown in Neville Arena. You went to Fayetteville and put it on them in their house, giving them the worst loss in the building's history. Hang the banner. Put it in there. It got so bad, Jacob, that after the game, allegedly Eric Musselman pulled his team out of the locker room and made them go to practice. That's bad. That's bad. And they deserved it. They, I remember having to do that a couple of times oh, yeah. in high school. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, and those were usually the type practices where you had to get the trash cans out because mm-hmm. someone was going to hurl. Yep. And, uh, man, this, this, this Arkansas team – you know, look, in today's world, in the NIL, in the portal, there's some new faces, obviously, on this Arkansas team. Look at what Auburn has. I know Auburn has some new faces, but they got a core of guys that have played a lot of basketball together. Mm-hmm. And you can plug a few guys, I believe, in any sport into, if they're the right guys, into a roster and make it work and everybody jive. But if a lot of players or the majority of people on your roster are new and they come from Washington and Houston and everywhere else, you're really and truly, no matter how talented they are, until they begin to gel, and it takes a while to gel, especially in basketball because it's such a flow game and you got to anticipate what your partner's going to do or what your teammates are going to do. You're really just kind of putting a, game, a, a roster together and a starting lineup together with bubble gum and duct tape and WD-40. And that's what I saw out of Arkansas. They were disjointed. They kind of really didn't have the camaraderie that Auburn did. They didn't have the uh, anticipation that Auburn did. And they just didn't look like they could play well together as a team. The flow was just 
ugly. Compared to compared to what Auburn's putting out there right now, and we have talked about how elite, and I mean elite, and I do not use that word lightly, and I don't use it very often. The guard play that Auburn's getting right now is elite. Your two starting guards, Denver Jones and Aiden Holloway, they didn't have a great day on Saturday. They didn't. They averaged, they combined for what, 12 points? I mean, Denver Jones just about, he, uh, for lack of a better phrase, was knocked out of the game. Well, on a cheap shot on a yeah. hard foul. One assist between the two of them, but neither one of them turned it over. Here's what your backup guards did. Your backup guards in Trey Donaldson and KD Johnson. One, two turnovers, six assists, and out of all that, Trey Donaldson and KD Johnson, they put in 11 and six for you. Your point guards are playing unbelievable basketball right now. Well, they play hard defense, too. That, that The coaching staff really did their homework on this one. Trey Donaldson struggled a little bit in the second half defensively against the guard from Arkansas from Washington. Immediately in game, they switched KD Johnson onto him, shuts him down. Shut him down. And that's what we're going to get to see tomorrow night. But coming up, we'll get to talk about more of that Auburn-Arkansas game with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about football and all the other updates around Auburn athletics coming up here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, is Uncle T-Bone. And as always, on a Monday afternoon here on ESPN 106.7, we get to the phone lines for our good buddy Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, man. Great to hear from you. Happy Monday, man. We got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, man, I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we haven't talked to you since then. I know. It, 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 oh. it felt like it's been a long time because a lot has happened between then, and it, it, it's been a while, so I'm glad to be back on the line uh, with you guys. Yeah, I forgot. A week from today, a week ago from today was New Year's Day, so I totally forgot about that. And also, while we're talking to you on this Monday, uh, go ahead and let you know we are off for MLK Day next Monday on the 15th, so we will not be having shows, so just keep that so, in mind. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting. That's what it comes down to, yeah. We're, we're trying okay, to do everything we can to avoid talking to you. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we do uh, – I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, just to go ahead and make that announcement. No shows here on ESPN next Monday the 15th for MLK Day. So we got to get as much in as we can today with you, Jacob Hillman, uh, of course representing the Albert Sports Network. And the same way we started our show, we got to start our conversation with you, my friend. What a fantastic day it was in Fayetteville, Arkansas on Saturday as Auburn goes over there and takes down the Hogs, 83-51. to Bruce Pearl getting a little revenge against Eric Musselman. Yeah, man, it, it, it's hard to beat that performance if you're the Auburn basketball team. I mean, handing Arkansas its worst win ever, you know, ever with an E uh, in Bud Walton Arena is something that's hard to really it, – it's hard to really process, especially when I first heard it, I you know, Right now, is because I've been able to watch it again and, and, and see it again. Yeah, I, I get it, but man, that that game was just an absolute 
beatdown from Auburn. I thought in the first half, I thought, and I thought this against Penn too, and I think it's because my expectations for this team have kind of risen through the roof. You know, I didn't think it was a great first half. It, it was a fine first half, but I say that, and Auburn led by seven. But the reason I, I feel like I was right in that evaluation is because you look at the second half of these games where Auburn just comes out and continues to just wail on, on these opponents and scoring nearly 50 points in the second half at Bud Walton Arena, holding Arkansas to just 21. That That's a huge deal that you're able to come out uh, swinging in and, and really set the tone early on, in which I guess early on in this game, Arkansas really looked like uh, they were the ones ready to go. Uh, I think a five-point lead early on, Auburn took a t- timeout, but then from there, it was all Auburn uh, for about uh, 35 minutes. So I, I, I'm really impressed with this team, and I think uh, it, it's really just the start of something great. Jacob, do you speak Spanish or do you speak uh, Chad Baker Mazzara? Because I've done a little homework on this kid and uh, listened to several of his comments. Played at, uh, I believe, Northwest Florida State Community College last year. Is that correct? He yes. is a yes. player and a baller. Give me your thoughts on him and and what Auburn needs to do moving forward with some of the rest of the roster to try and make a uh, a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I think what Chad's done this season has been re- really really strong play that has improved as the season's gone on. I, I don't think he was making as much of an impact uh, in those first couple of games, but then as we've gotten into December, he's found his role. Uh, being that spark plug off the bench with Trey Donaldson and KD Johnson, and has really uh, turned into a, into a guy you you look to uh, for his scoring ability. And, and like you said last year, he was at North. He was in Pensacola at his JUCO. Okay. And before that, he was at Duquesne and San Diego State. At San Diego State, he was the Sixth Man of the Year, and he he's showing that ability again this year as Auburn's Sixth Man again alongside. Guys like Trey Dobson, Katie Johnson, Dylan Cardwell's playing well off the bench as well. And I think it's part of that team, uh, that squad's ability, the second, the second guys off the bench, and how their, their ability doesn't really drop off from the starters. And that's, I, I think it's something Coach Burrow was talking about how, like, man, it's, it's just, I'm not going to cut down the rotation because none of these guys have given him a reason to. And something he talked about was, not changing the minutes either because uh, whenever you give someone less minutes, they feel like they have to press. And, and mm-hmm. it shows in this game where uh, Janai Broom was your your highest uh, in minutes with 25 and Jalen Williams is right behind him with 24. But other than that, everyone played uh, between 15 and 20 minutes. So I'm really excited to see how this uh, team continues to shake out, especially the bench, because I, I think you know Trey played one of his best games of the year, but – Chad Baker Mazzara, especially, he's got six man of the year ability. He he has a chance, I think, to finish on uh, as an All SEC second team kind of guy. So uh, I, I'm excited to see uh, how that bench continues uh, to excel. One thing that that really stands out to me, and we talked about this leading into the game, Hillman, was this wasn't just a road game at Arkansas. This was the first game of SEC play. And this is what Auburn did to kick it off in Fayetteville against a talented Arkansas team, maybe not the best one we've seen in the years past with Eric Musselman, but this is how Auburn started SEC play. And in my opinion, a schedule that's 
really not all that difficult compared to what we've seen in the past. Yeah, and I think that's especially true this month. Uh, I mean, if you look the rest of January, I mean, you're looking at that game at Alabama as the one to circle on your calendar. I think the game following that at Mississippi State will Mm -hmm. also be a tough one. But uh, those are really the only two where you think, okay, you're going to have to absolutely show up and show out. These next few games, you get the ones that you want at home, and then obviously you go to Vanderbilt who, who struggled. You play Vanderbilt twice the rest of this month. And I, I don't know, I, it, it's just something where, like you said, the schedule is shaping out uh, in a positive way where Auburn's going to have a great record going into February. And that's when things start to get a little more tough, obviously, that, especially that middle part of February and the end. Uh, so I, I think that this SEC, uh, the conference itself, is in the best position possible. Everyone's talking about uh, it being an 8, 9, or 10-bid league team. Uh, So we'll see how everything shakes up. But I I think right now the consensus is that Auburn is in that uh, top three with Kentucky and Tennessee, who are ranked fifth and sixth, respectively, uh, in the AP poll. So, you know, if Auburn keeps winning, they're going to be right up there with some of the top teams in the nation. And I, I think that those winning weights will definitely continue uh, over the next month or so. Jacob, uh, news breaking last week of Philip Montgomery parting ways with Auburn was the how the article read as offensive coordinator for the Tigers. Any updates on what Auburn fans can expect from an offensive coordinator uh, hire in the next couple of days? And also – hearing some rumblings about some possible other staff changes. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when to expect or what to expect in the offensive coordinator hiring, but I think whoever is hired there, uh, that, that, that will probably tell you uh, a good bit about what the offense is going to look like next season. Obviously, Coach Freeze wasn't happy with uh, the offensive performance and game plan in that Music City Bowl. He was, he, and, he, and he said it himself. He, he was focused a lot on recruiting and, and really didn't get – as involved as he'd like to uh, with the game plan and whatnot. But I think that could be uh, somewhat of a point in the direction of where Auburn might go. Who knows? Will Coach Freeze take over play calling in 2024, or will he hire someone uh, else that will uh, take those duties? So so we'll see. I'm not sure who that may be or when we'll see that, but whoever it is, I think will tell you the direction this offense is taken uh, in 2024, whether that's Coach Freeze, uh, taking control of the offense or uh, that new offensive coordinator. And just kind of looking at, at this Auburn team now that we are after tonight, and we'll get your thoughts on the championship game in a second, but just after tonight with college football being in the true off season, um, anything in your opinion, what's the one thing that Jacob Hillman wants to see happen in the offseason for Auburn football, whether it be uh, a new offensive coordinator hired, whether it be a flip of a, of a commit come next month, whether it be another addition through the transfer portal, whatever it may be, what's the one thing that Jacob Hillman wants to see happen for Auburn football in this offseason? Well, well, I'll tell you what. You, you mentioned a flip in, in the recruiting cycle in February. That That is definitely 1A for me. But I, I think that's a pretty obvious one that a lot of folks are – kind of keyed in on and um and i'll go a little different I'll, and i'll look at the transfer portal because i think at some point you're going to see and, and it might be uh, in the spring after the spring where some offensive linemen defensive linemen we we gotta we gotta go one today and Tril, i think it's Carter, uh the texas uh transfer 
uh, to commit. But I, I still think you can add some more beef to the trenches. And I, I think that is kind of my primary focus now um, is it, it, finding more depth at the offensive and defensive line. It, it's, still, it's still one of those positions across the line that it's difficult to, to keep that depth up year in and year out. And I think the transfer portal is the way to go. Obviously, you got DeAndre Carter uh, in, the, in your class of 2024. But sometimes, as a freshman, it, it's going to be tough to get that playing time. Connor Liu impressed in his freshman year, mm-hmm. but it, it was clear that he wasn't ready for that full-time starting role. And I think that this offseason is going to be big for him uh, to get ready for that. So I, I, I'm excited to see uh, how Hugh Freeze and his staff continue to work the transfer portal. And like I said, my big wish would definitely be uh, an offensive and defensive line uh, transfer portal commits. Talking with Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. Jacob, hard to believe tonight, the last game of the uh, 2023 college football season. I can remember uh, last August and last Labor Day like it was yesterday. What are your thoughts on the game tonight? Yeah, man, I, I'm excited for it. I'm especially excited for it as obviously nobody – it's not an Auburn rival in the game. <laughs> right, so, right. We're not it, actively cheering against somebody for once. Exactly. I'm going into this game with just with a free mind and hoping for an all-timer. It, it'd be great if this game uh, maybe went into overtime or it was a high-scoring affair. Um, I, you know, I've been really impressed with uh, Michigan all season long and obviously – Everything that's gone on with them makes make, makes it a difficult thing to track and, and, and watch. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh didn't coach half the games because he was suspended for half the season. And, and, and they really just weathered that storm. Washington has the most explosive offense, I think, uh, in the country. It really proved uh, to the country that they were for real, I think, with winning those two games against Oregon. Because I, 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 I thought for sure Bo Nix and that team and the Ducks were going to get it done in the Pac-12 championship. But... Washington really proved itself then. You know, I, I want I want to say that Washington is my pick to win it, but I, I think Michigan, just the consistency they've, they've held this season, because Washington did have that role in November. I, I, I like Michigan to get it done tonight. Wow, Michigan. Do you like them with the points? It's like it's hovering around five right now, Hillman. Probably not. I think I think it's going to be a really, really yeah. close game. I, I think it's a field goal game. Okay. All right. Jacob Hillman, uh, mark it down. He's got a field goal game for the Wolverines to take down yeah. Washington. Uh, so we'll see how that goes tonight. Hillman, uh, go ahead before we get out of here. Give us some updates from everything else happening around Auburn Athletics. I know we have women's basketball uh, that's been going on, and uh, uh, gymnastics got their season underway as well. Yeah, they did. Gymnastics uh, competed in one of the premier uh, season-opening meets of the year on Friday, or excuse me, Saturday night uh, in Las Vegas, the Super 16 Challenge, and, and they'll be at home this Friday night uh, against uh, Kentucky to open its season. So, uh, Sports Tigers, that, that one should be on TV. And, and there's, I think there's standing room only tickets available, so go to aubpick.com for that one. Uh, women's basketball uh, will be back in action at home on Sunday against the defending national champions, LSU. Mm. That game uh, is in the afternoon. It is at uh, excuse me, five at time, two o'clock central against LSU. Britt Bowen, Dr. Larry DeShare will have a call on AU 100, 100.3 FM. Uh, and then swimming and diving is also in action tomorrow. Dual meet against Arkansas, uh, just the women at 12 central at noon central. So if you want to make a double header with men's basketball tomorrow, you can do that. Go to the James E. Martin Aquatic Center and obviously that men's basketball game. Eight o'clock central tip off, 730 airtime, wings 94.3.
FM. Andy Burton, Sonny Smith, and Brad Wall had the call on that one. God, you're getting so good at that. You're getting so good at that, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Well, we've also got Tiger Talk back at Baumhauer State for Grill this Thursday. Uh, Bruce Pearl, hopefully we get a player and uh, another coach there. So we're looking forward to it. We're, we're back in action now. I That's mean, right, New man. Year's turn, everyone's back in action. And next month, it's officially crossover season. Yes, it is. It will be here before we know it. Let's enjoy it while we have it. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at 3.30 representing the Auburn Sports Network. Brad Law joins us on Thursdays at 2.30, so be sure you tune in for that. He'll preview Tiger Talk coming up on Thursday. Hillman, as always, brother, thank you so much, man, for your time and, of course, for your friendship. And uh, We will not talk to you next Monday. We'll talk to you the following Monday. How about that? Hey, I'm fine with that. I know y'all are just trying to – Trying to stay away from it, but it's okay. I I hope the new year is treated y'all the right way. (laughs) It's treating us the right way, and it sounds like it's treating you as well, man. Hey, again, no show next Monday. We'll talk to you the following Monday. All right, talk to y'all then. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network again with us every single Monday at 3.30. And as we said at the beginning, I'm glad he brought that up because it reminds me, no shows next Monday here on ESPN, all right? No Max Roundtable, no On the Line, no Drive, MLK Day, Office will be closed. Station will be closed. We'll be off next Monday the 15th. Yeah, no listening to Jacob cry on Monday about his Packers getting stomped by the Cowboys. We got to go to break, man. Get out. (laughs) We will definitely talk about that on Friday, and then we'll talk about I'll talk about it on Tuesday. I'll be in the studio all by myself celebrating wearing my Packers jersey cheese head. I'll have the whole nine yards going when we go on the road to Dallas on Sunday afternoon, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. 334-321-1390. You can be a part of the show as we wrap it up. When we come back, we'll make our final picks for the national championship game here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line, we appreciate Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network, who a uh, uh, great friend of mine. We were, I mean, we we've been we started in radio in college together, man. Just a really good guy, and and doing great things over the Auburn Sports Network, and we appreciate him being with us every single Monday. He has Michigan tonight, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. Today's been a great show. If you missed any of it. You can go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search on the line, uh, whatever whatever site you want to use, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. That's our station website, ESPNAU.com, and you will find it posted right there, right after the show. We've talked Auburn basketball. We've talked transfer portal updates for Auburn football. We talked coaching changes. We talked national championship. I mean, we talked everything today. On the show, Uncle T-Bone. NFL a little bit, yeah. I've talked everything on this Monday afternoon. And here in the last segment, it's time to make our official picks. College football, the regular season, or not the regular season, just the season in general. College football comes to an end tonight. It's depressing. It's really upsetting. But it should be a really good game tonight. Michigan favored by about five, depending on where you look. We'll take the average and say it's five. Who wins tonight and why? I'm going to take Michigan winning this game 27-24. to 24. I like those points that Washington's catching. I, I don't understand the line on this game at all, just like I didn't understand it last week when Michigan was giving a point and a half, and then it jumped to two and a half. I saw four and a half earlier, and you said it's gone to five and a half. That just seems very odd to me. 
I just believe it's Jim Harbaugh's year, and I'm with you. He probably exit stage left to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders or the San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers after this game. Who knows what Michigan does after that, but tonight's the night. Michael Penix Jr. is a heck of a good ball player. If I was in the NFL, I'd be looking to take him late in the first round as my quarterback. I just really feel like that once Michigan got over that hump with finally winning a playoff game, that they're going to come in with a lot of confidence. They're going to control the ball. Their defense will continue to uh, keep Michael Penix and that high-powered Washington offense under check. And in the end, it's going to be a late field goal, like our good friend Jacob Hillman said. Wolverines 27, Huskies 24, and that goes under the 55-and-a-half. Yeah, the the total of 55 and a half. I've got 56 now on that. Under on that, I think. Well, do I? Let's see. Let's see if I do. Hold on. I've got my score in my head. Let me do my mental math real quick. Yeah, I do. I have barely, barely on the under. But I'm going to go with the team that's been doubted all year long. I'm going to go with the guy that's been underestimated and doubted when he played Oregon twice and beat Oregon twice and then went up against the big bad fighting Matthew McConaughey's of Texas and Steve Sarkeesian and took him down even though they tried to blow it and give it back to him late. Michigan's good. I like Michigan because they take down the Buckeyes and everybody knows my relationship with Ohio State. No one likes Ohio State. There you go. And I think Michigan's a really good team. But as our great caller Terry always says, offense is the name of the game nowadays. J.J. McCarthy is a plug-and-play quarterback. He's not going to do anything that impresses. Blake Corum's good, but he can't win it on his own. Give me Washington, 31-24, to win the national championship. Former intern Michaela's clapping somewhere. That's all I know. How about that? Well, Michael Penix Jr. is a heck of a player. I'm with Jacob. It's nice to finally be watching a national title game and not have to root against a team. I can sit back, enjoy some cold snacks on a Monday night. Games at 6.30, that's a nice change of pace also. It should be an interesting ball game. Thank you so much, Jacob, for having me on. It's been a lot of fun, my friend. We'll have you back on Wednesday, Uncle T-Bone. Coming up tomorrow, Daryl Dapperich will join us in hour number two. 30 minutes now on Tuesdays. Remember that. We'll have a lot more to talk about. National Championship, Auburn, and a whole lot more. Until then, he's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.